0: Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the CCFS Counseling Conversations podcast. I'm Edward Ruiz, your host here, where I seek to tackle any and all problems of everyday living, offering counsel and encouragement from the Christian worldview. The title of today's episode, Is It Okay to Argue? This is part two of a two-part series on marriage and conflict in general, which has been inspired from a 31-day devotional that I picked up recently by Steve Hopp called Marriage Conflict, Talking as Teammates, and it's a 31-day devotional for life and faith. So I hope you enjoy part two, Is It Okay to Argue? Is it okay to argue? This article serves as a part two to my previous article titled, Four Solutions to Marriage Conflict. What drew the most attention was the notion by Steve Hopp, which I supported, Indicating that fighting has no place in marriage. Of course, this is entirely dependent on what is meant by fighting. Hoppe went on to explain that, quote, by definition, fighting pits two enemies against each other, each trying to defeat the other. But in marriage, you aren't enemies, you're teammates. End quote. The reason I agree with this definition is because it is reminiscent of the sort of fighting that Paul warns against and the kind of fighting James alludes to as coming from a heart spilling over with our own evil desires. So, the proposition that fighting has no place in marriage is rooted in the concept of fighting that is explicitly warned against and understood as being rooted in sin. Unfit fighting in marriage. 2 Timothy 2.24 the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome but be kind to all able to teach and patient when wronged. The Greek for quarrelsome is mache. Figuratively speaking this is a term used to describe armed combat. It appears again in James 4:1 translated as conflicts. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members. Notice that the main cause of the armed combat in which we engage with one another is sourced from another battle happening within us, our own personal battle with the passions within us. You might have noticed another term, polemos, the word translated as quarrels in James 4.1. This usage is similar in that it describes armed combat and warfare both literally and figuratively, but predominantly literally. There are nine uses of the term in Revelation. James 4.1 and through have two distinct Greek terms that are used to describe fighting and quarreling and conflict, of which is a kind of fighting that looks closer to armed combat than a mere disagreement. This is the sort of fighting I think has no place in marriage. As James describes and helps us see, this kind of fighting is rooted in sin manifesting as us wrestling with our own sin within us that is on display in a quarrel or a conflict in our relationships outside us. This sort of fighting is distinct from disagreements, debates, or perhaps even strong differences of opinion that may appropriately take place in marriage. When we explore other passages referring to what is the basic character of the Christian and what they're supposed to emulate, or how husbands and wives are to be husbands and wives, the combat-ready sort of fighting we learn, in fact, has no place in marriage. Texts pertaining directly to marriage. 1 Peter 3.7 You husbands, in the same way, Live with your wives in an understanding way, as with someone weaker, since she is a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. If the husband disobeys 2 Timothy 2.24, noted above, there is a correlating disobedience in 1 Peter 3.7. A husband will have great difficulty explaining, how he is able to live with his wife in an understanding and considerate manner while also being quarrelsome or leaving unchecked his passions that may be at war within him as James 4, 1-2 describes. Another passage, Colossians three nineteen says, Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. The operative term here is embitter. The Greek word for embitter is pokreno and can be translated as harsh, exacerbate, irritate, or make angry. A quarrelsome mache husband will or will be Pacreno toward his wife, and this sort of husband is not easy to love with. He is prone toward self centered argumentation, sarcasm, backbiting, fighting, demeaning, probably profanity, snarkiness, a quick temper, and altogether a source of great discouragement within the marriage. Mache, sort of husband, finds ways to take a small issue and perhaps even a moderately benign offense and make it into something bigger and more problematic. Another passage, 1 Corinthians 7.15, Yet if the unbelieving one leaves, let him leave. The brother or the sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us to peace. This is Paul's counsel toward husbands and wives with unbelieving spouse and ought to be our counsel for believing spouses today. It is this attitude and posture which believing spouses deliberately and consciously strive toward and cultivate as the baseline homeostasis in their relational dynamics at home, that is, one of peace. If this is the dynamic to strive toward in a believer plus unbeliever marriage, how much more so in a believer plus believer marriage? Additional texts include... 1 Corinthians 7, Ephesians 5, 33 1 Timothy 3, 1-13, Titus 1, 6-9, and 2, 1-8. All of these passages are classic texts with standardized counsel on marriage, as well as a standardized prescription for husbands who maintain leadership roles, such as elder or deacon, within their local church. Texts with application to marriage. Hebrews 12, 14 says, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the lord or romans 14:19 so then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding in these passages peace is the operative term in the congregational life of believers as well as broadly speaking throughout their lives outside of church career marriage and family neighbor civic The Bible is replete with teaching and exhortations concerning the standard character of Christian conduct and attitude throughout life and faith practice. In marriage, our spouses are our closest neighbor, and therefore every mandate, despite it not qualifying it as a command explicitly toward husbands and wives per se, still always automatically and presumptively applies to husbands and wives. Marriage and family is the building block of society, and every Christian practice we maintain in our churches and in our communities ought to be practiced and mastered in our homes. Additional texts include Psalm 34:14, Romans 12:18 and 152, 1 Corinthians 14:33, and so on. Expected disagreements in marriage. Now with this said, It may be helpful to explore whether the Bible helps us paint a picture of appropriate disagreements that don't necessarily devolve into fighting or quarreling, the maché or the polimos sort of fighting within marriage. Surely, I do not mean to suggest in these articles that husbands and wives ought to find themselves totally in sync with one another, by default or otherwise, on every matter, all the time, no matter what, much less on matters that may or may not be related to sin. A few example passages that may help us in this effort are John 3.25 and Acts 15.2.7 or Acts 15.25. Within these passages, there is another Greek term that may be helpful in this analysis, zetasis. This Greek term is translated in a few ways. Discussion, debate, investigate. Zetasis is the process of questioning and inquiring even about particular matters of controversy. For instance, John 3.25 Therefore, there arose a discussion on the part of John's disciples with a Jew about purification. Acts 15.2 and Acts 15.7 And when Paul and Barnabas had a great dissension and debate among them, the brethren determined that Paul and Barnabas and some of the others should go up to Jerusalem and to the apostles and the elders concerning the issue. Verse 7 After there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, brethren you know that in the early days god made a choice among you that by my mouth the gentiles would hear the word of the gospel and believe acts 15 20 being at a loss how to investigate such matters i asked whether he was willing to go to jerusalem and there stand trial on these matters although these passages are not referring to anything in the context of marriage They are referring to the ways of verbal engagement in a manner likely familiar to anyone who's been married for longer than 10 minutes. There are several examples of interactions that we have with our spouses where there are the zetaeus types of interactions. Some other examples include whether to homeschool, whether to have more children, whether to get vaccinations, or how much to budget for a vacation, which job to take, or whether to leave this church and go to that church. The list is virtually endless. It is expected there to be deliberation and discussion and perhaps even some debate on a given matter. The reason for this is because neither spouse is the expert or that everything he or she says must be right. Rather, through the process, husbands and wives function in a kind of iron sharpens iron fashion to achieve greater godly aims they are mutually agreed upon. On the same token, however, Paul's usage of this same term provides us further wisdom to help guide and guard us. Zetasis is also translated as controversial or controversies, speculation, arguments, and even quarrels. For example, 1 Timothy 6 4. He is conceited and understands nothing, but he has a morbid interest in controversial questions and disputes about words out of which arise envy, strife, abusive language, evil suspicions. Another example, 2 Timothy 2.23, But refuse foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing that they produce quarrels. Thirdly, Titus 3.9, But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and strife and disputes about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. Motivation behind our discussions and debates are paramount. Which is why every instance of zetases needs to be taken and examined in isolation this is effectively what is achieved in the counseling process husbands and wives seek support to work out even vast differences of views with particular attention to individual conversations individual words individual meaning and interpretation of those words individual inflection and tone and attitude etc we can take a matter That for all intents and purposes was properly deliberated last week, and use it as fodder this week to ignite a controversy or produce a quarrel that is now no longer working toward the building up and the edification of the marriage, but find their origins in morbid interests, foolish controversies, ignorant speculations that produce disputes. There is a saying that goes It is not just what you say that matters, it's how you say it. Is arguing okay? Up to this point it still may not be crystal clear in your mind's eye whether it is okay to argue if you find yourself asking this question here are a handful of questions you might consider one do you want to argue why or why not two if not but find yourself still arguing do you want to be able to not have to argue three what is the aim that only arguing can achieve four Beneath the huff and puff of what may be outwardly described as an argument, by asking this question, is it okay to argue, what other permissions are you looking for? For example, do you want permission to raise your voice, to cut off your spouse when they're speaking? What? Question five. What is the difference between what you're describing as an argument and what Paul describes as a quarrel that we should avoid or what James describes as something coming from your evil passions? six is it conceivable that you're not arguing per se but having an appropriate debate do you see the difference between zetasis types of discussions and the mache types of arguments and fighting seven is there more than one right solution eight does the bible say anything explicitly on the matter nine are you able to compromise without sinning ten do you actually understand the other person's perspective a balance the balance i'm seeking to strike is a balance that finds its center of gravity within the heart that is to say our hearts are wicked and sinful beyond even our own understanding in light of that we are prone to being deceived in ways that we are not even aware of until sometime afterwards As we grow in maturity and wisdom, not only will we see our own hearts rightly, but we will be able to navigate the ebb and flow of marriage more wisely. One eye on our heart looking out for sin's deceptiveness, and the other eye looking out for what is right, good, and best for your marriage. It is a difficult balance, and even just one day of marriage ought to help us realize that any positive trajectory is totally dependent on God's grace toward us in Christ. And as we lean into this mercy, living daily by God's grace, dependent on his word, and striving for full obedience in all areas and aspects of our marriage, we develop a fuller and more mature understanding of the duties and responsibilities as husbands and wives, working to do everything we can to meet that out, perhaps including taking on a posture that fighting has no place in marriage. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode, Is It Okay to Argue? I do hope that you were edified by this, that this was helpful in some way, shape or form. Please don't hesitate to reach out to me. If you have any questions, you can leave them in the comment box below or send me an email that's noted in the description box below. Thank you again and until next time, take care.